It's a buy low podcast. We're looking at players who are underperforming that you can buy low in your fantasy basketball leagues. Michael Bolton. Thanks, Josh. It's Michael Bolton here, and it's time for another episode of the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast. Let's get to it. Let's get to it. Indeed. You are locked on fantasy basketball. Your daily fantasy basketball podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast brought to you by Basketball Monster. My name is Josh Lloyd and I am the lead fantasy analyst at basketballmonster.com and at Yahoo Sports Australia. And you can find me on Twitter as always at redrock underscore b-ball and on Instagram at Locked On Fantasy Basketball. Today we are doing a buy low edition. We do this every week, uh, same time every week, looking at players who are underperforming that you might be able to acquire at a cheaper price in a trade. And just a quick reminder again, these buy low players are not go and trade for them at all costs. Do not trade for them at their uh, expected perceived value. If you can get them at a bargain, you do it. If you don't, you don't. As simple as that. And that's how all trades really should be looked at. There's no, I must get this guy. I must get rid of this guy. Look to see what you can do. Maybe these guys' value is suppressed. It will be in the eyes of some managers. It won't be in the eyes of other managers. But you've got to be able to navigate that, and that's where you can find that value. And I'm doing it a little bit different today. Normally, I do ones who are maybe yeah, a little bit down the ranking scale, maybe third to seventh round guys, seventh to tenth round guys. I'm doing a little bit different here with some other big type of names. So let's just talk about the blokes that I am going to be talking about. Let's start, of course, with the sexiest man alive, Kelly Oubre Jr., who is struggling, obviously, the 191st ranked player this year, just 28 minutes a night, and his 4% three-point shooting has actually gone up to 7%. I talked about him uh, in one of the shows yesterday about how this shooting was going to uptick, and I still think that he is a significant buy low. I think that he's going to be a top 100 player from here on out, um, but you know he's obviously struggling. People are dropping Kelly Oubre. He is available on waiver wires that if he is in those situations, you add him You know, no matter what. Any player that you can trade for Ubre that is like outside of a top 100, for example, a Karis Levert. If I had Karis Levert, I would trade him for Kelly Ubre. I wouldn't have really any, um, uh, any hesitation in doing a deal like that. Ubre is not going to continue to shoot this poorly. In fact, even over his last three games, he's the 111th ranked player. He's averaging 14 points, 1.3 steals, and 1.3 blocks, and shooting 49% from the field, and weirdly, just 63% from the line when he's been a 78 guy for two consecutive seasons. So... His true shooting is down at 36% for the season, but it's up to 53. It is turning around for him. So the buy low window, it's not shut. It's it's getting close there. But say you've got a Tyler Hero. I would swap Tyler Hero for him. PJ Washington, I would do that. As I said, Karis LeVert, Alfred Payton, Goran Dragic. I would trade any of those guys for Kelly Oubre. And I think that you'd be getting a pretty decent bargain if you were able to do that. Now let's go to the top end of town. Anthony Davis. You picked Anthony Davis at number two, at number one, at number three in a draft. He's the 34th ranked player so far. Now, by anyone's estimation, that's disappointing. Um, 
we know that fantasy basketball rankings are very pointy in that the difference between you know one and ten is the difference between ten and fifty, and the t- difference between fifty and one hundred and fifty. Like th- it's very squeezed up. So if you go from three to thirty-three, it's it's a big big drop off where Anthony Davis is. Now this is one that's probably not going to happen in most cases, but I'm not saying that you trade Anthony Davis for a player who's a thirtieth ranked player. Like I don't think that if you come in and go, and if I look at my projections and go, who's the current 34th projected player, and it's Ben Simmons, I don't think you're getting Anthony Davis back. The guys around that, DeMar DeRozan, Julius Randle, um, John Collins, Kyle Lowry, like, I'm not sure you're getting that done. But what I'm saying is I still think Anthony Davis is going to be a top three player. Why is he down as much as he is? He's averaging 0.8 blocks. That's That's really the simple part of it. Last year, he averaged 26 and 9 with 2.3 blocks. This year, he's averaging 22 and 9, so the point scoring is down, but only 0.8 blocks. So we're talking about a third of his block totals. Also, his free throws are weirdly down at 73%, and that's going to improve. What I'm talking about in terms of getting Davis is throwing a back-end first-round guy in. Russell Westbrook would be an interesting player. People really value him, and he's going to rest games. I would take Anthony Davis every day. And even if it is Russell Westbrook plus a mid-round player, Larry Nance, yep, sure. Terry Rozier, maybe. Send a three-for-one, and that's how you can get these top-end guys, sending three-for-ones, two-for-ones, especially these underperforming top-end players. Even if you come in and say, uh, I will trade uh, yeah, Kyrie Irving for Anthony Davis, I still think that's a big win. Not sure you'll get away with it, but Irving is clearly outperforming Davis so far this season. That's the thing you need to be looking at, and it's the same with the next guy on my list. Giannis is the 51st ranked player this year. He's averaging 23 and 12 with six assists and 1.8 steals and 0.8 blocks. Now, his rebounding is down almost two point game, two, two per game. His steals are actually up significantly, but why is he down this low? Well, his free throws are horrendous. We know that. They're at a similar horrendous level to what they were last year in volume and in percentage. But instead of being a 55% guy from the field, He's a 48% guy from the field. So instead of having a Z score of plus 2.2, he's a minus 0.3. And that really is the big difference. And we know field goal percentage is a multi-cat modifier. So if his field goal percentage goes up those 10 percentage points, instead of being a 23-point-per-game scorer, he goes back to being a 27-point-per-game scorer. So there is room here for Giannis to improve as long as that field goal percentage comes up. 24% from three is rough. He's not a big three-point shooter. He's still taking almost five a game, though. So it is having an impact on his field goals. But he took a similar amount last year, just hit them at 30%. But it's the two-pointers. Now, 57% is still really good. But he was at 63 and 64 each of the last two seasons. So we expect that to come back up. Now, when looking at targeting Yanni, he was a top five pick. He's a top three guy in points leagues, top two guy in points leagues. And he's obviously not performing at anywhere near that level. So you try it again. You try your two-for-ones, your three-for-ones. You throw two top 30 players, two top 20 players perhaps, because you're never going to get away with getting someone, well, he's 51st ranked player. Let me get the 50th ranked player and send it back. Now, in points leagues, it is a little bit different for Giannis, and it's a little bit different in any of these trades because people just look at projected points and current points scored per game, and it is a little bit harder to pull that off. But in points leagues, Giannis is the third-ranked player. So he's not a buy low in that scenario because obviously when you're uh, already the third ranked player and you project to be the first or the second, then cool, then <laughs> there's no big difference. But in categories, that big percentage drop is having a real impact 
on what Yanni is being able to do. And you should be able to get at least some, again, even if you get a round discount on getting him, you do it. Assuming that you can deal with the free throw percentage hit, which is going to come. Pascal Siakam. He's the 82nd ranked player, and it's getting worse. Over the last two games, he's 125th. He's had foul problems. He's under 30 minutes a night. He's averaging just 16 points with eight rebounds. But <clears throat> he averaged 23 points a game last year. 28% usage. That's down. That might never return. He might not get that usage back because I think there is um, some overrating that goes on with Pascal Siakam. He's averaging eight boards and almost four assists. That's the same as last year. 1.83s versus 2.23s. Well, that's accounted for by the fact that he's shooting 28% instead of 36% from three. His steal numbers are exactly the same. His block numbers are cut in half, and they're never going to be great, but there is an impact there. But what is the issue? Is he's shooting 39% from the field, and that's largely because he's not hitting threes. Over the course of the season, he's the 85th ranked player. Now, I don't think he's going to come anywhere close to some people who were considering him you know, even a couple of years ago as a top 20 type player. He won't ever get to that. He can get back to being maybe a top 50 guy. And it's just going to come down to the shooting, which are often the shooting numbers are the most volatile week-to-week type numbers and where you can really exploit people in sell highs and buy lows is by looking at the shooting numbers, which is going to come back. And you've got to look at yourself and go, well, Siakams, he's not... Because people will have gut feels and they'll have emotional ideas and they'll go, no, I don't know, man, Siakam is just not the same. He's... And I'm not saying this is anyone listening to this, but it might be. And it might be people in, in your leagues who have Siakam if, when you're going to, to do... Buy low deals, right? Uh, I don't know. He's, he's not the same. He's not. He's not switched on. He's not. Yeah. He's maybe he's getting traded, and that's why he's pissed off and committing all these fouls. But if you look at Siakam, yeah, realistically, and think, okay, he's shooting thirty nine point four percent from the field, right? That's what he's currently shooting, and twenty eight from three. So you have to look at Siakam and say, he will continue to shoot thirty nine percent from the field and twenty eight from three. And if you say, I believe Siakam is that level of player, then you don't buy low and you just you just accept him for who he is. But if you look at those and anyone with any level of common sense will look at it and go, well, it's definitely improving. It's definitely improving. Whether it goes to 45% or whether it goes to 50% or 55% where it was two years ago, yeah, that's still a matter of conjecture. And we don't know that. But you look at those numbers and you say, I guarantee you it is not sticking at 39 and it is not sticking at 28. The half a blocker game, it might stick there. He's not a good shot blocker. Two threes, four assists, eight rebounds. Yeah, that's all fine. That's all the same. But getting that number back, and the thing that's really hurting him is that big negative field goal percentage. You look at it and you go, I know this is not continuing. Therefore, the value has to rise. It's as simple as that. Shea Gildas-Alexander. Bit of a disappointment. It was a guy that was picked too early in some cases for me, um, but he's you know, a, a guy that was a solid third-round player. Um, I think I had him in that 25 to 30 type range. And yeah, I've, I've adjusted his projections back a little bit at the moment. We worried somewhat that the extra attention that he would receive when he had the ball in his hands would lead to a decrease in field goal percentage and also a decrease in his defensive stats while also increasing his assist numbers. And so far, all that has happened. His assists have gone from 3.3 to 6.8. His steal numbers have cut almost in half from 1.1 down to 0.6. His field goal percentage has gone down from 47 down to 42. Like That's all things that we expected. The usage hasn't got as high as I expected. From 23 to 27, it's an increase, and his assist numbers have increased, 
but the usage hasn't quite got where we need it to get to. But there are clear indicators that he's going to be better. He's shooting 51% from two. Last year, well, he's shooting 51.1%. Last year, he shot 51.2. It's the same. Like, okay, that's fine. So why is his efficiency dropping? Well, like Siakam, 29% from three. He was 35 last year, 37 in his rookie year. He might be a 32% three-point shooter, a 34% three-point shooter, but I don't think he's going to be a 29% three-point shooter. So that is going to increase. He's playing 34 minutes a night. And again, when you look at the values of what category is really hurting him, his negative is field goal percentage, negative 1.3. And the next worst category is steals in point negative 0.7. Steals can come back very, very easily. He has had, through the season, three steals in five games. If he gets two steals next game, that will be five steals in six games, and his average goes from 0.6 to 0.8. Shows you how quickly that changes. If he has a bulk steals game where he gets four steals, that means he's got seven steals in six games, and he's over one again, and everything's right with the world. It's the shooting that is the main concern, though. It's getting that 42% and 29 from three back to 45 and 33 or so from three-point range. I think it will come. The other thing that's weird as well is this is a guy that was 80 and 81 from the line. He's 73 this year. Big, big room for that to improve. So target Shea with a guy that's around the top 50, that's around that 50 to 70 type of area. If I had CJ McCollum, who's really performing well at the moment, I would trade him for Shea Gildas-Alexander in a heartbeat. That's a buy-low-sell-high combo. Marcus Smart, OG Ananobi, D'Angelo Russell. That's probably not a good example because he sucks at the moment. McCall Bridges. I'd do that for Shea. Um, Drew Holiday. I'd probably do that for Shea. I just you, you have to really pay attention to what makes sense as being sustainably bad, what makes sense that has to improve, and what adjustments do we make to his projection. So Shea Gildas-Alexander is another one of my buy lows. So that's my buy lows for this week. Actually, I probably should let you know what Shea is like in a points league. Sorry for uh, for missing that with some of these guys. I'll go back. Actually, look, let me go back and, t- and tell you about these other guys in points league. Shea is 47th in a points league, so he does remain a pretty solid buy low there as well because most of this stuff, when I talk about it, you know, I'm referencing category values, but in my, apart from Yanni, most of it yeah, leans across because the shooting numbers and steal numbers, it does have an impact on their overall points value. Same with Pascal Siakam. Now, he's not as much of a buy low in a points league. He's the 61st ranked player in a points league. Um, but still, he could be 20, 30 spots higher than that if we look at his rest of season value. I talked about Davis already, talked about Yanni. And if we go back to look at Kelly Oubre, yeah, he's still a massive buy low in a points league. He's the 123rd ranked player this year, a must roster player who has buy low value. That'll do it for today's mini show. I'll be back with a pregame show, 6.30 p.m. Eastern. Tune in on YouTube to watch me go through all of the news before the games tip off. Guys, we are done here. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. See ya.